0: Welcome to the Galaxy Moonbeam Night We're the Retro Talk Network, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with nostalgia, radio, television, movies. If you've plugged it in, turned it on, listened to it, or watched it, we talk about it here. I'm your co-host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Smitty. We're very happy to have
1: you with us Go to another... Uh half hour or so of fun and merriment, and uh, we want to begin first of all by giving you some information about where you can contact us via email or via our website, and Mike, do we have that information handy we can
0: pass on to everybody? Yeah, we sure do, Smitty, it's GalaxyMoonBeamNightSight at gmail.com, GalaxyMoonBeamNightSight at gmail.com, the website is galaxymoonbeamnightsite.com And we would like all of you
1: to drop us a line, tell us what you would like us to talk about, if there's any subjects that you would like us to discuss. If you have any questions, present them via email. Look at our website, and we have some interesting pictures. We do update the website frequently and have some interesting pictures of people from the radio and TV days and also uh, some pictures of some nice radios and televisions that that we'll be putting up there from time to time. So we definitely want to hear from you. Well, today's show is going to be another great one, and we're going to start off with something really special. We have someone who is going to be a regular contributor to the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. Anybody who has listened to San Diego radio for the past 35 years or so has at one time or another heard Ian Rose on the radio. Ian has done a number of radio programs in San Diego. He's done a lot of traffic reporting He's done disc jockey work. He even had a talk show once upon a time. And we're very pleased that Ian is going to be joining us to be a regular contributor on the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight, presenting a series of essays. So the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight welcomes Ian Rose. Ian, welcome to the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight.
2: Well, thank you very large, as is some people want to say in the business. Just a quick background of where I've been absolutely, and how I got here. Uh, I started an armed forces radio, which was changed to American forces while I was there. It uh, was the day I gave up my 45 or something. I don't know. Anyway, that was in the Frankfurt, West Germany, back in the days when Germany was divided, uh, which it no longer is. It's one Germany, one people, one Europe, one world, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I've worked in several places in California, including uh, Fresno and then on the central coast there in Santa Maria, named mm-hmm. after one of Columbus's ships. That's right. No, You knew right. that. I do that. See? I, I, knew I, was, that. I was testing you already. All right. Okay. Worked my way down the coast. I knew San Diego was my destiny. Finally got here in the mid-'70s. North County first, and then the city proper, and then a the various things, you know, a disc jockey news... Traffic, etc., etc., etc. What, what,
1: uh, what? Initially brought you to San Diego, Ian? San Diego did it. Did I, mean, okay. I, mean, I, I was looking over
2: California and I thought, hmm, I kind of like this. way I'll tell you the reason why I choose this over at Los Angeles: more comfortable. You ever get up to L.A.? You kind <laughs> of you know, the nerves start rattling. Exactly. And the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Drives you crazy.
1: <laughs> that, that, and yeah, that, and the, and the, I guess the occasional earthquakes and the other fun stuff that's going on. You know, should we there. mention
0: the rest of the things too? Or the, where people uh, are,
1: that may depress everybody. Yeah, I think let's we'll forget just... about
0: it. Talk about the weather. Everybody else does.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, and Ian's done that too, so I'm sure he'd be comfortable doing that. I
2: hate it when people describe our weather as gorgeous. In San Diego, ever hear other people down here? Oh, absolutely. No, little girls are gorgeous, women are gorgeous, weather is not gorgeous! (laughs) Weather (laughs) is weather, and sometimes it's nice, and sometimes it isn't.
1: Whether it is or whether it isn't. (laughs) Well, as I had mentioned earlier, Ian is going to be a regular contributor to our show, and he's going to be having a series of essays that he is going to be sharing with us, and today we're going to have a couple of his essays, and the first one here he's going to deliver to us now, so... This has to do with Captain Video answering Ian's question, son.
2: On radio, he appeared as the Green Hornet. Now, you probably remember him better as the title character in Captain Video and his Video Rangers on the Dumont Network. Al Hodge is the name we're talking about. Later that decade, the 1950s, he hosted a local show on a New York TV station Now, here in this show, he presented episodes of the Flash Gordon serials. Now, specifically, the Flash Gordon serials themselves were done back in the 30s. And Buster Crabb, who was Flash Gordon in those serials earlier in that 1950s decade, also did the same kind of thing on another station. Now, back to Al Hodge. His style was it was Al Hodge, the Flash Gordon serials. And he had a segment where he answered space-type questions from viewers by postcard. I sent him in my postcard with a question on that I, I didn't believe anyone else had asked. And the question, how much would you weigh on the sun? I don't remember the specific answer, but it would be many times more than you would weigh here on terra firma, planet Earth. There were no prizes, there were no giveaways, there were no discounts for those whose postcards were read, just the thrill of having your name announced on TV by Al Hodge, Captain Video. I was so excited, I called a friend. He'd heard the broadcast, but he didn't care. (laughs) I guess he would have if it it had been his name. Anyway, there's one obvious conclusion to how much you would weigh on the sun, of course. The, The fact is, you'd be burned to a crisp, or worse, long before you ever got there. I'm Ian Rose. Very good, Ian. Thank
0: you. Green Hornet on radio, that would make a great segue for my follow-up from the last show about Surfside 6. Yes. Green Hornet came to TV in the late 70, or late 60s, and Van Williams played the Green Hornet. Van Williams also played the starring role as Ken Madison in Surfside 6. We also, uh, over here in the studio, refer that as Surfside sexism. Because it was the epitome TV show of everything that was politically incorrect nowadays when that show Surfside 6 aired back in 1960. And we sent out on the last program a questionnaire if anybody knew the occupation for Chacha Rivera, who played the. or is Chacha O'Brien, rather. Uh, she married, I guess, an Irish guy. You Is know, that right? I think I, she was related I, to the Potatoes O'Brien family. It could have been, yes. Could have been, <laughs> yeah. Keep those home fries burning. Yes, exactly. Ta-da-da. Anyway, Chacho O'Brien, uh, she was almost uh, she considered a uh, maybe a barfly, floozy, whatnot. Back then, she worked as an entertainer, so to speak, at the Boom Boom Room, which was next to the fabulous Fontainebleau Hotel uh the location where surfside six was originated and that was in miami boom
1: boom room and entertainer those are those are two um those can be interpreted in any number of ways
0: an entertainer at the boom boom room in the 1960s pretty much could uh start a season of its own yes uh in the b-girl lockup that is at county jail but in the 1960s, it was a rather interesting variety show. It was uh, one of several private investigative or private investigation-themed shows. Uh, Surfside Six had uh, Lou Patterson and none other than Troy Donahue as one of the sidekicks, Sandy Winfield. Uh, Surfside Six, and we did not get any email responses as, as a result of putting out the question. How did Surfside 6 become known as Surfside 6? Well, it was nothing more than a telephone prefix for the phone that connected to the investigative agency which was housed on board a yacht in Miami. Surfside 6, Boom Boom Room, Cha-Cha O'Brien. Stuff you will never see on 21st century television. Back to you, Smitty.
1: That is very interesting, Mike. Thanks for filling us in on that. And we were uh, talking earlier about things that are not politically correct anymore. That would certainly fall into that category. And we'll later on, we'll do another show about things that are not politically correct anymore. I'm surprised we didn't get... Actually, I'm not too surprised we didn't get any uh, email responses. I guess that show is not too widely remembered.
0: Would you, would you say that, Mike? Uh, not too... I think it was overshadowed by 77 Sunset Strip okay. and Hawaii and I. Okay, But there were a number of, of PI type, and a couple of, couple of shows back we talked about how things seem to come full circle in the news industry. It also seems to be the same as far as television shows. Surfside 6, 77 Sunset Strip, Hawaii and I, all made full circle in the 80s and 90s with Mannix, a lot of the private investigation. There was Mannix, there was uh, Tom Selleck, help me out here, Eddie. Tom Selleck. Yes, Tom Selleck. Magnum PI. Magnum PI. Yes, right. exactly.
2: Yeah. Magnum. Um, he was uh, yeah Magnum PI, and that that kind of came at the other end of the uh, trend, and
0: yeah, did yeah, they? There were little uh, hybrids of the private investigation genre all the way from the '60s right on up through '70s. Of course, Rockford Files mm-hmm. with Jim Garner was probably one of the most popular private investigation, albeit a hybrid. He was a renegade PI, but most PI. Uh, theories on uh, feature television on the one-hour shows were hybrids I-,
2: I think he has the distinction of being the only detective who was bopped over the head more than any of the others and if that had happened in reality he would be a vegetable now
0: <laughs> uh, yeah anybody seen James Garner lately oh be yeah, nice no. okay
1: uh, but it does seem to me that uh, that that was that may have been one of Rockford's appeals was that he was you know you know that you you knew that he could be bopped over the head that he was not invincible and you were <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you agree with that?
2: Uh, wait, yes, I did. no, no. Getting bopped over the head, gentlemen, is a convenient way of getting a character out of the way without killing them. Okay, <laughs> okay. okay, and then they come back later.
0: <laughs> well, well, and then uh, Barnet, uh, what Barnaby Jones? Barnaby Jones with uh, uh, Buddy, Buddy Ebsen? Ebsen. Yeah, no one bopped him over the f- head. He just tap danced all <laughs> the <it> way <laughs> yes, down, <laughs> exactly down, <laughs> down <laughs> the yellow brick road. <laughs> Faded, colorful yeah. career on the yellow brick road. Down That's right. He would have been road. the Tin Man he would otherwise. He breathed exactly. in too much
1: of that dust. Exactly. Uh, I think yes. It was the
0: pancake makeup.
1: Was yes, it? it was something along those lines, uh, and that aluminum dust, I think, that it got was into his aluminum uh, dust? lungs. Yeah. That's what he did uh, because later
2: on, they used paint. <clears> they,
1: they did, and, yeah. and then he got
2: into old paint, and he rode away. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, okay. Fueled
1: by well, shell
0: with platforming.
1: Yes, well, which we'll uh. get into later. Anyway, let's get into a little bit of a of a technical talk. We got an email from uh, a person in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Who was asking about antennas for these old radios? And of course, we were—we've been talking about the old radios off and on, and thought we'd just spend a few minutes talking about radio antennas. And when I fix old radios for people, they oftentimes they will ask me, "Well, does it, what kind of an antenna should I put on this radio? Does this radio need an, an antenna?" And let's talk about that for just a few minutes. The radios from the nineteen 19- 20s and the 1930s, and even into the 40s, oftentimes did not have a built in antenna. They needed an an external antenna. If you look in the back of these radios, oftentimes you'll find a terminal strip where you can connect an antenna, or you'll just find a wire with a little label on it that says antenna. Oftentimes there'll be a ground wire there, too. So the question is what kind of an antenna is best for people that have had these old radios restored and they want to listen to them once in a while and they want to hear their favorite station, and do they need some sort of an elaborate antenna? The answer is no. The answer is you. all you need is a length of wire, probably uh, 10, 15 feet perhaps, and if you can connect it to the radio and either just throw it down behind the couch or put it under, if you have a, a floor... Rug, Not a carpet, but a rug. You can put it under there or drape it around a a molding um, or a picture frame. And all you're trying to do is to get a a signal. You don't need anything really elaborate. The stations are a lot more stronger today than they were back then.
2: What I need to know is you don't need to string it up at the top of your
1: house. No, you can. You can do that if you want to. And a lot of people that like to listen to shortwave do that. And that does give the best the best performance. But if you live in a house and you don't want to tack any wires up outside, or you just want to have something really simple, you can just take this length of wire and just drape it around the room, and that should give adequate reception. If you've got a neat old radio that's been fixed and you want to show it to your friends, you want to turn it on, then oftentimes, you know, you can just go ahead and um, and just run that length of wire and that'll work. Does that work for both AM and FM? Well, it works mostly for AM and for shortwave, Mike. FM, um... You can do that with FM, although the reception will probably vary. My experience has been that the early FM radios don't have very good reception. They hadn't really perfected the FM all that well. So you'll get a lot of static. And a wire like that will work for FM, but it works best for AM. And if you want to do some serious shortwave listening like what Ian had just mentioned, you can run a wire outside. And that, would, that under any circumstances, would give you the best reception. So the answer to our friend who wrote us, and we thank you for writing us via our email. And uh, also for anybody else who's interested is it doesn't require a whole lot of work. You can take and string a wire uh, inside your house. If you want to string one outside, you can do that too. In fact, some places like Radio Shack, as of a few years ago, were still carrying these little kits to put together a uh, an antenna for
0: shortwave listening.
1: So you can check that out. If you need any more information, you can certainly drop us an email, and we'll be very happy to give you any more information, any help that we can.
0: Great. We also got... Eric from Savannah, Georgia, who emailed in, mentioning that it's a great idea to always keep a small AM-FM transistor radio in case of an emergency. And I thought that through, and that made very good sense, because most of my radio listening now is done through the Internet connections. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, I get some downloadable signals and music and some of the talk shows on my iPhone, but I was wondering if there wa- was a disaster, an earthquake or something, and the... Uh, The iPhone ran out of battery power, and there was no way to recharge it. And, of course, the computer went down. There would be really no other means other than go out and sit in the car to get any type of communication. So would you recommend that?
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think a lot of the emergency services like the Red Cross and uh, some of the other ones that we're familiar with do recommend that people have a a battery-operated radio and spare batteries, too, because in the event of an extended emergency, uh, you might be required to listen to that radio for several days. Of course none of us are hoping for any of that, but it's best to be prepared, have extra batteries, have a radio because yes, and and that's very true, Mike, that we also need to remember that in in the event of an emergency we could lose our cell phone service, we could lose our internet, we could and our only communication, and we could even lose television. The one communication that always has gotten through in times of disaster is radio and we each, all of us should have at least one Battery operated radio with good batteries in it and spare batteries so that we can get any emergency information or any news that we need to get in times of emergency. So, would you agree broadcast waves are here to stay? I would say so, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, especially AM. What do you Uh, think, Ian?
2: I hope they are, because it will provide employment for people like me. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, See, I'm always
2: thinking of myself. I'm a selfish pig. Well, and a
0: lot of our listeners... It's okay. We like you anyway. A lot of our listeners don't realize, too, that Ian Rose was the science teacher for the science fair that helped uh, Abraham Lincoln... Win the prize for their crystal radio set. How did you know that?
1: <laughs> and he got that prize mailed to him at his Gettysburg address. That's oh, right. Boots. Anyway. At
0: the school he walked four, uh, four <clears throat> miles to every day, both ways uphill. Uphill, mm. that's right. Oh. <laughs> okay, well. Uh. Uh,
1: anyway, moving right along, I think. Uh, well,
2: quickly moving right yeah, along.
1: Quickly moving right along. We have a retro that we would like to do, as we do in each and every show. And this is something from the past that perhaps you'll get a kick out of. And let's go ahead and listen to that, and we'll be right back with you on the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight.
2: It's here, it's here, the newest of the new ones, so come and see the Camaro. It's got a price that's nice for everyone, so come and see the Camaro. There's wide, wide stance for great stability, so come and try Chevrolet's
0: Camaro. For big car power with agility you got to try Chevrolet's Camaro
2: Command performance in a right-now machine It's the newest thing to make the 67 scene So come and see the Chevrolet Camaro It's terrific, the Chevrolet way See and try the new Camaro At your Chevrolet dealer's
0: Camaro Hey, welcome back to the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite. We are the Retro Talk Network where we talk about anything and everything having to do with nostalgia, radio, television, movies. If you plugged it in, turned it on, listened to it or watched it, we talk about it here. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And
1: I'm Ian Rose. That was a neat commercial, wasn't that for the Camaro? Yeah, I had one of those. Did you?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, most of the serial numbers match, too.
1: Well, that's good. <laughs> I uh, My next-door neighbor used to have a 67 Camaro that my dear, late neighbor used to have one, and that was a neat little car, and they were extremely popular.
0: They were popular, and I'll tell you what, if you had a Mustang and the guy down the street pulled up one night in a brand new Camaro, you want to take that Mustang and drive it off a cliff because mm. the Camaro was the next best thing. Sure, mm. sure. Well, we want to
1: hear from you folks that are out there listening to us if you have anything that you would like us to talk about or any comments, questions, suggestions, criticisms you can present them to us at our email. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightsite that's N I G H T S I T E at gmail. Dot com. If you would like to visit our website, it is GalaxyMoonBeamNightSight.com. And if you go to our website, there's a link there to send us an email. So we would definitely like to hear from you. Any questions or anything that you would like to share with us, if you have any pictures of any of your neat collectibles, we're always looking for things to share. Send us a snapshot of your favorite uh, radio, TV, or anything from the earlier years, and we'll put it on there and share it with the rest of the world.
0: And if you have something you're not sure what you have or what it's worth or what it was or what it could be as far as the world of collecting, send us a picture over and we'll send it out on our website, or we might be able to identify it here in our studio.
1: And conversely, if you see anything interesting that we've posted up there that you can shed any light on, by all means, drop us a note and give us a hand, because we have people sending us stuff uh, looking for a hand IDing thing. So we'll definitely look forward to hearing from you.
0: And if you have a website that offers old radio, old TV shows, whatnot, for our website, and you would like to advertise and in return, advertise us as we grow, we'd love to hear from you, because uh, we've got some great ideas for the upcoming months. A lot of neat
1: ideas, and we'll depend upon you to kind of tell us what you'd like to hear about. So we'll look forward to hearing from you.
0: And we really like to do parts about how things have come full circle. We talked a few episodes back about news and what's my line and how talk, uh, TV shows, panel shows, and newscasts have come full circle. You know, I've been looking at, in fact, I've spent way more time than I should be spending watching YouTube, a lot of these videos and everything from news to, to frat tricks from uh, college guys and just stuff that you never thought you would see in reality, but it's there just for the log on on YouTube. And, you know... YouTube's out there. Everyone can be their own newscaster now. Everyone can be their reporter. But YouTube is not so new, not so unique. You know, uh, Smitty, back in 1958, there was a show that only ran for two seasons. And it was a series called Man with a Camera. Mm-hmm. And the star uh, was a guy, Mike Kovac, played by someone you will know in movie and TV history. Do you know, Ian? I do know. Who? Charles Bronson. Mike Kovac, Charles Bronson. Wow. Way to go. I knew you would know that one. But uh, going back to YouTube, you know, during World War II, Mike Kovac had been a combat photographer, and that was the premise of the show. Now he was making his living as a freelance professional lensman. At times it seemed as if he were still in combat. Mike took assignments from newspapers, insurance companies, the police, private individuals, and anyone else who wanted a filmed record of an event. 1958 through 1960, Charles Bronson as Mike Kovac. Fifty years ago, man with a camera is now teenager with a YouTube account. That's
1: it. <laughs> it's come, it's come, it's full, come circle. full circle. And once thanks, again. Once again. Thanks for sharing that with us, Mike. And again, Ian Rose is with us, and uh, he's going to share another one of his essays with us. He's going to talk to us about disc-like objects flying at various locations in New York City. Ian explains that these were out of this world.
2: No, I'm not talking about unidentified flying objects. And the taste was out of this world, if you used the right ingredients. However, those ingredients were limited. Have you guessed it yet? I'm talking pizza. In the late 1950s in New York City, pizza parlors were popping up. Parlors where you would uh, uh, get a show along with a pizza (laughs) slice. Pizza was made right before your eyes as you watched through a glass window outside. The pizza maker would start with a a load of dough about the size of a loaf of bread. The maker would pound it, sprinkle flour on it, pound it again. And when the maker flattened it sufficiently, he threw it into the air in a circular fashion. And then he caught it with his knuckles. With each throwing, the pizza's diameter would grow... If the maker was well-practiced, he'd make it look as if he was about to miss grabbing it and catch it at the very last second before it hit the floor. Then, when the circular dough reached the right size, he'd lay it down, apply tomato sauce, and sprinkle cheese pieces over it. That's all. Then, he'd shovel it into an oven, and the price per slice was 25 cents, and that included the show... Today you can get pizza at various locations, including the frozen food case, with more than just tomato sauce and cheese, but today, there's no more show.
1: Oh, I'm Ian Rose. Thank you, Ian. Just listening to that is making me hungry for pizza.
0: Wow, I wish Domino's would get somebody out there to watch some of these archives and give us something better as far as selling us pizzas.
1: That would be fun. And it's interesting how it was only, it was simple, it was just cheese and tomato sauce, nothing else. I guess the simpler things are oftentimes better. That
2: also included the sweat of the maker, but I didn't want to mention that. Oh,
1: really. well, <laughs> just as well. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ian, for that fun food memory. And as we mentioned, uh, Ian's going to be with us on all of our upcoming shows, sharing memories of the past. And uh, he's got a very good repertoire of topics that he's going to be sharing with us. And we look forward to that. We would like to remind you that we want to hear from you. And, Mike, we have uh, an email address and a website that we'll
0: pitch one more time to our friends out there and let them uh, hopefully drop us a note. Well, sure. We hope to hear from you by email, galaxymoonbeamnightsite at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightsight, that's S-I-T-E, at gmail.com.
1: Very good. And if you would like to write us uh, with any kind of a topic uh, that you would like us to discuss, by all means, do that.
0: And I'm going to run up to the attic and see if you've got one of those color TV antennas you talked about on the last episode hiding up there, and... Uh, find out what it's worth.
1: I wish I did and and if it is, it's probably in good shape at least it's not outside or uh, maybe you know, there'll be a nice pair of rabbit ears up there for you
0: Oh, I suspect a new episode of Twilight Zone
1: Yes, we'll have to go up there and see what other goodies are hiding up there in the attic and bring them down for next time.
0: Absolutely, in the meantime
1: In the meantime, I think that pretty much puts the ribbon on our show for this week.
0: I think it does.
1: We remind you that uh, we do update our shows
0: uh, just about every week, Mike. Is that how we're doing it now? Uh, About every week, yes. Uh, Going to podcasts, we may get some older shows that we pop in there when we have a slow week. But uh, in time, you'll get everything that we've been talking about and then some. And we've got uh, myself, Mike, and, of course, Smitty. And uh, Chef Boy R A D I O, Ian Rose, <laughs> who's going who's going to bring a lot of excitement to an otherwise very exciting show. Yes,
1: absolutely. We're we're thrilled to have Ian with us and it's gonna be fun and merriment every time we do this show. Well,
2: thank you very large.
1: <laughs> if I may say so myself, and I just did. And you just did. Well, folks, we'll join you again next time and until then I'm
0: Smitty. And I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. And we'll catch you next time on Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight.